your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM, District Attorney of Lacrosse County. Lacrosse County, yes. Uh, Tim Grinky in here. I'm never if it's the city or the county. Uh, Tim Grinky in studio. He's headed to the library in a couple of well, about a half hour. It's a a big event over there. Big event. I don't know if it's a big event, but it's interesting. It's uh, and people might be interested in, in heading over there at 6 p.m. It's called the Unseen Costs of Cash Bail. Uh, somebody approached you, so they wanted they wanted to talk about this, and and you and a couple of others are, are headed over there to talk for about an hour, hour and a half, huh? I think it's about hour and a half, uh, 6 p.m. to I think 7:30. Myself, Mandy Bisek from Justice Support Services, and Judge Levine were invited to talk about the cash bail system we have in Wisconsin and how we try to deal with it in La Crosse and some of the um, unseen costs uh, that our system causes. People who are poor, disadvantaged, uh, don't have the money to get out of jail, some of the problems that we have with that system. Yeah, like I get busted for having marijuana on me. Marijuana here is illegal. And the the judge will figure out, uh, I guess, what my bond or bail should be after I get busted. If I go, you know, right. and then whether or not, yeah. I guess, can is that kind of? Can you explain it maybe better than I can? Uh, and how how it would how it put would put someone in uh, a disadvantaged system like that? Yeah. So uh, the first step is the police when they arrest people have the option for some misdemeanors to give someone a signature bond, which just means they just have to show up at a certain time and place. So there's no money posted at all. Uh, but for felonies, domestic violence cases, or some other situations, they take people to jail, and there's an amount of money that you have to post. And obviously, if people have money and have jobs, they can post the money and get out while their court date comes. But if some people can't, then they just have to sit in jail. Um, and depending on the amount of money, it might be something that people just can't come up with, and they might lose a job, they might lose housing, they might uh, be missing their children for that period of time. And it doesn't take too long to figure out the people who have money. The rich people can get out while poor people can't. So we try to do as much as we can to take that into account and be as fair as we can with it. And you're talking about people that are accused, they're arrested, yep. maybe accused. You talk about a domestic situation. Uh, a man or woman lies about, hey, he beat me or she beat me. And then they get arrested and maybe they didn't do it. But now they're in jail and then you got to post bail or bond and... And, and then, okay, I, well, I can't afford that. Now I'm sitting in jail for something I didn't do. That certainly has happened. Um, and even people who uh, are in jail for things they did do, the fact that they're sitting in jail, they're still presumed innocent. So the system has this conflict between the presumption of innocence, they've not been convicted, yet they're in jail. So mm -hmm. we're treating them as if they are just because they might be too poor. And that wouldn't seem fair to anybody. So we try to limit the people who get high cash bonds or who stay in jail to dangerous people or people who aren't going to show up to court. Um, but then you also, those people are still presumed innocent. So it's a little bit of a conflict in the system where judges have to decide at what point does their dangerousness or risk of not appearing trump the fact that they're still innocent. Yep. And house them in jail with convicted people um, for maybe months and sometimes even over a year. I was kind of wondering, you know, we talked about from a little bit before the show. Is this something that is just causing social social media outrage? Uh, somebody gets arrested for something in the cross, and then they, they, you know, they're out on signature bond. That's always the comment you see. And hey, you're having this meeting at the library at 6 p.m. tonight because social media outrage. But you you say this is actually a, a problem that people complain about. Uh, something like signature bonds and. Yes, bond is something that has always been a struggle because, again, you've got this 
conflict between presumption of innocence, but then the victims in the case or the witnesses in the case, they know what happened. So they will tell us, well, I know that they struck me, they hit me, they raped me, they stalked me, whatever. So the system says, well, until we get to trial, they're going to be out and not have contact with you. But for a lot of people, that's fearful. Uh, they might be afraid the person might come after them, intimidate them, what have you. So they feel like I went through all this work, called the police, you got them arrested, and now you're just going to let them go. So it is a common frustration for people in the system to understand until people are convicted, we can't just take all the rights away. And before they're convicted, they have a right to some bond unless, again, the judge feels that they're just not a, a risk that we can be released to the public. So that's why most people are going to get out before trial. Yeah, and the problem here uh, a little bit with judges in La Crosse County and, and police here is sometimes judges let these people go with either a low bail or a low bond or a signature bond. And police are like, what are you doing? This person is, essentially they're arguing, this person is a threat to yeah. a society, I guess, if they're let out. Yeah, so at, at some point you're going to reach that person where a judge will say, I don't think you're a threat, and someone else will say, well, I think they are. Mm -hmm. And that's, to, again, a conflict within the system where people will disagree about who should be let out and how dangerous they are. And as long as we've got a system that's kind of based on this, you know, idea of vague reasonableness, you're going to have people who can reasonably disagree about whether this is really somebody dangerous or somebody who isn't dangerous. So I think you're always going to have that level of conflict between the people in the system. Um, but again, I think people try to do the best they can to try to work that out and only hold people in jail that we actually have to protect the community from. But again, some people are going to disagree about who those people are. Um, is there is there a way to better communicate between judges and police about certain people, or is that is there rules against doing that? Or you know, you you got someone you're trying to decide whether you know what their bond or bail should be, and uh, police have their own opinion on this thing because they've dealt with this person so many mm -hmm. times. Uh, I don't know. Is there a line of communication there, or should there be? Well, there isn't direct communication. Judges couldn't talk to police directly about the cases, but what we do try to do is have more information than other counties do. Uh, Justice Support Services will explain how before people go to court, they do what's called a risk assessment. So we're not just basing it on what the judge thinks about the person or the police report. They also get some risk level, like have they missed court before? How often have they missed court? Uh, how many cases do they have pending? How young were they when they first got arrested? What's the likelihood they're going to come back? What's the likelihood they're going to be dangerous? They also do an alcohol assessment, a mental health assessment. So the judges here get a lot more information than most places. So I think in that sense, there's a lot more communication here in La Crosse than other places. Um, but there's still going to be some cases where, again, at the end of the day, people are going to disagree about the amount should have been higher or the amount was too high. But I think we're doing what we can locally to make sure we have the right people, the riskiest people in jail as much as possible. It's called The Unseen Cost of Cash Bail at La Crosse Library tonight, right at 6 p.m. If you guys want to go over there. Uh, Tim Grinke, District Attorney of La Crosse County, who's in studio with me, will be there. Judge Elliot Levine and also Justice Support Services Manager, Manager Mandy Bisek will also be there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for news. We'll come back and talk about this unfair system on Wizard. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke in studio with me, heading to the library here in just a little bit. For a, I guess it's not really a meeting, a talk. I guess a, yeah, a little presentation, a group think uh, presentation. That's there we go, and it's called the unseen cost of cash bail. Uh, Judge Elliot Levine also there, along with Mandy Bisek, a justice support service manager. So those three will be talking about cash bail, the cash bail bond system, right? Yes. Uh, 
California and New York got, got rid of this recently or? Recently, yes, this year uh, or at the first of the year. Um, a lot of states are actually looking at um, getting rid of cash bail and going more to a risk system, kind of like what we're trying to do here in La Crosse. Um, so it's not just Wisconsin. There's There's been talks at the state level in Wisconsin of trying to reform the system. So, again, we're not just basing whether people come back to court or not on some vague amount of money. The problem is in Wisconsin, it's actually written into our Constitution, the Wisconsin Constitution, that people should have this amount of bail. So it would take a little bit more work here to change than in other states. Um, so far in New York, I know that people who have misdemeanors uh, won't be held on a cash bail. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy going on between some of the police there and uh, some of the people that reformed it. Is it working? Is it not working? Are they letting dangerous people go? But I guess time will tell. And hopefully, eventually, in Wisconsin, we'll have a, a better system based on people's actual risk instead of just an amount of money that's supposed to make them come back to court. Yeah, somebody has to to do it, and then other states can go, okay, well, let's watch maybe for a couple of years and see if it works. That's uh, part of it. And uh, then kind of like legalizing marijuana. Okay, yeah, we're exactly. We're going to do it medically in some states and all over the place in other states, and we'll see what happens. And um so we, we don't know really if it works or not in California and New York, huh? Well, it, we'll find out soon enough. I mean, it, you have to let it go a little bit of time, I suppose, before you really know anything. Uh, statistics take a while to to happen and to gather. But um, it's a nationwide movement. A lot of states are trying to go this way because if you think about it, there's no really amount of money that makes people come back or not come back. For a lot of people, any amount of money would make them come back. And for others, there's no amount of money that would make them come back to court. So when we're kind of throwing around these dollars, it means different things to different people. Um, there's no research that indicates making someone post money is going to make them appear in court more. Um, so a better system would be to base on, are they really a risk to not come back, or are they dangerous, instead of trying to figure out some amount of money that would keep them in the straight and narrow. Yeah, I mean, we have we have people in Trump's, Donald Trump's, uh, you know, I, I guess, administration at some point that have been arrested and some of these guys have millions and millions of right. dollars and of course they're just going to get out of jail because they have all kinds of money so yeah. and then uh you know in lacrosse county if someone arrested for some i guess you say felony right so yep. what what is a felony that maybe is there a felony that people will look at and go eh, like why he doesn't really need to be in jail for that uh forgery forgery okay um you know usually not a crime that involves violence um if people are going to show up in court exactly why would we need to have them post some money um, unless there's something else going on, um, but and even if they posted the money, maybe it might not be their money because they're forgery. It could be, and it could be <laughs> someone else's money that they're borrowing. Uh, felony theft, um, you know, felony embezzlement, um, identity theft. I mean, they're crimes and they're felonies and they're serious, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything about dangerousness or coming back to court to answer the charges. And then the the process of figuring out, you know, what does this person make, yeah. and what is their situation at home. To decide what a fair amount for cash bond or bail would be, the judge doesn't just like hold them by their ankles upside down and shake them to figure out, you know, how much money is in their pockets. There, right. that, but that system's a little archaic too to figure this out, right? Very. It's it's yeah, it's very archaic and um, relying on something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Somebody might pay fifty dollars and come back. Other people, like you said, might post a million and flee to Mexico. So the amount of money doesn't really relate to the likelihood of coming back or not. And it's hard for the judges to tell how much is enough or how much is too much. Um, so that's a constant struggle within the system is to try to figure out what amount of money would be an appropriate amount of bond without being excessive. Um, 
also when people get upset, even like, lacrosse police every once in a while get upset for a, at a judge for letting somebody out who then the next day gets caught doing something like, yeah. you, you know, like intimidating a witness the next day that they were arrested originally for. Uh, and the, the police or, you know, people that are paying attention to that case might have a point. Like, yeah, that person probably should ha- shouldn't have slipped through by getting a signature bond on something. But is that is that something that happens a lot or are we just we point to the one thing that that is strikingly wrong? Like, whoops, we that was that was a mistake. Yeah, it, it's hard. To, we try to internally keep track of how we're doing in terms of recidivism. How many people that are out on bond are coming back again? And it's a constant struggle because there's different ways to define that. But uh, most people that get out on bond do just fine. Most people appear for the court hearings, even for serious charges. And if somebody doesn't, it is sometimes easy to say the system isn't working. And maybe in the case it didn't. Um, so we do try to review cases and try to figure out what went wrong. I compare it to a surgeon who might do 100 surgeries fine. One time he doesn't do it. You don't just say, well, that's just one out of 100. You still look into it and see what you did was wrong, but it's it's not the majority of cases. But you still try to figure out, can we do better? We're mm-hmm. always trying to figure out, is there a way we can increase the number of people coming to court, decrease recidivism? And all five judges are committed to trying to find out the best way to measure that and constantly trying to improve. But there's still going to be cases we disagree on and cases that don't go right where afterwards you'll say we shouldn't let that guy out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going to go to the phones here, and I forgot to give Tim headphones, so we're going to – we'll figure it out, though. Uh, Darren is waiting on hold. Darren, go ahead. Yes, uh, Judge Gerke, uh, nice to have you um, and your uh, expertise. Um, I, listening to uh, you talk a little bit about criminal justice reform, um, obviously our system um, is such a reactionary system in the fact that um, you know, we spend so much more money on uh, the backside of this instead of preventative uh, programs to help keep people from uh, crime. And then once, obviously, they um, are in the system, we we don't do a whole lot um, with rehabilitation. It's probably one of the first areas that's that's tied out of county uh, budgets. And um, could you speak just a little bit about more of your ideas on, you know, criminal justice reform. I think you you alluded to the fact that, you know, we should probably be putting people in prison that we are uh, afraid of um, and instead of putting away people that we're just mad at. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, so our system is very reactionary. Uh, the, the people that scream the loudest get the most attention from legislators, and they tend to want to increase penalties and increase lengths of prison instead of trying to figure out how can we stop these things from happening to begin with. It's hard to get money for prevention programs because it's hard to prove that they work. Um, But when we try to figure out who we should lock up and who we should spend our money on, we do try to be as efficient as we can and only focus on the people who do qualify as a very high risk or have done something very heinous. that's a very small percentage of people in La Crosse County. The largest people in La Crosse County we deal with are people who just need some kind of help. Alcohol, drug abuse, some type of counseling, some type of supervision, and most of them would be okay. But, again, funding that is hard because it's hard to get money for something like that when the louder, more painful cases get the news and legislators feel like we have to increase uh, penalties. So. It's a constant fight to try to get more services for people in the system. 
uh, try to get more rehabilitative services both in prison and the community because it is expensive and it's hard to prove that they work and it takes time and people tend to be more impatient these days and say we just want to punish people and lock them up and that will temporarily make us feel good but in long run we're not sure if that's doing us any good except costing us more money well our state government right now is is looking at increasing penalties right to to put there there were a number of bills raised this week i saw by the republicans in the assembly and they most of them were increasing punishments but i didn't see anything in there that was based on any research that said why will that work why will that be more effective than what we're doing uh it just seemed to be kind of a again a, a reaction to people who want more penalty more punishment and not enough focusing on what really works, what changes people's behavior, are the programs that are working that we can increase, fund more appropriately. I just didn't see a lot of that coming out of the legislature. Yeah, and, and on top of everything else, I think a, a lot of people that are, are making the rules like that, the lawmakers, they they might be looking at one segment of society and not so much the other. There's a there's a racial aspect here that, that I think isn't being taken into account too, right? Yes, it's a, in Wisconsin, we have a huge racial uh, problem. Uh, the disproportionate minority people in prison and jail is huge in Wisconsin, more than other states that you might not think so. Um, and I think that too often in our system, as in our community, we tend to focus on people as being something other. They're a criminal, they're this, they're that, they're not me. And instead of looking at like, we're all in this together, we're all neighbors, we're all family members, we're all in this to try to help each other build a better community instead of trying to cast blame on one part of society or another part of society. And I think some of that does unfortunately break down into minorities being punished for things that maybe if they were a different type of person, they wouldn't be. Um, is there the, the, another issue, too, with uh, with with the bond bail system or just keeping these people locked up that that commit crimes and are innocent to proven guilty? There is a aspect on the taxpayer to keeping all these people in jail too, as well, right? Of like course. the the idea that oh we you know this guy did this or that woman did that we need to she, we need to keep them locked up because they might be you know a detriment to society out there. But oh, I'm also paying to keep that person locked up. We're yeah, it's very expensive to keep people in jail, housing them, feeding them, supervising them, staffing the jail, um, and also during that time they're not earning any money, they're not paying their child support, they're not. Uh, helping their children get to school, and so there's there's also the unseen cost of all the things that are people are missing. So again, unless we really need to lock them up, we're doing a lot of damage and costing a lot of money to just hold people that don't need to be held. All right, we're gonna go back to the phones. I think Gary is on. Gary, go ahead. Are you on? Gary, go ahead. So I'm just curious, uh, what Trump people were you saying that are on drugs and everything else? I mean, I always hear so much about the Russian collusion and, and this other stuff with uh, uh, making bad phone calls. I, I, I'm not sure how that plays into that. But are there really people, Trump, Trump people, that taking drugs and everything else? I, I, this is a new one. Uh, are they investigating that, too? Uh, thanks, Gary. Uh, didn't mention drugs, but there's Trump people uh, that have pleaded uh, guilty and are in prison right now. That, that right, they're going through the system. Roger Stone is a perfect example of somebody that you know, right? He's he's out on 
bond or bail, right? Yeah, I think you were referring to people that just have money and some of the people that were charged in the Miller investigation obviously have enough money to hire lawyers and get out. And there's a lot of people that would not have that luxury to get out of jail and post that yeah. kind of money. Um, so when I was talking about Trump people, I was talking about like Manafort, uh, Flynn, Roger Stone. These people, I miss, you know, some of these people have at least millions of dollars. I know one of the three, uh, Flynn or Manafort, has has millions and millions of dollars. Uh, but anyway, one more thing, as long as we're talking about Roger Stone, how weird is it that his, his it, you know, the story is his four prosecutors uh, essentially quit. I think one resigned. Um, is this alarming to you as a district attorney in La Crosse County? It is. It's alarming that uh, it looked like there was a trial. Uh, Roger Stone had his rights protected. He had lawyers. The prosecutors made a sentencing recommendation. And then because their bosses, uh, along with President Trump tweeting about how wrong that was, changed the recommendation of the people who knew the case the best, I think that's a bad sign. I think the president and the White House should stay out of cases that are pending it just makes sense. It uh, just seems more ethical to just say, let the people who are in the business do their business, let the judge sentence them, and you can always react afterwards if you think something was unfair. But making the prosecutors that did the trial um, change their views uh, doesn't seem right to me. All right. Uh, Tim grickey has got to get out of here. He's headed to the Lacrosse Public Library. Thanks, Tim, for stopping in. You bet. All right. Yeah, if you guys want to go check out uh, – Tim Granke, Judge Elliot Levine, and Justice Support Service Manager Manny Bisek. They're going to be at the Lacrosse Library in about a half hour. It's called uh, a presentation called "The Unseen Costs of Cash Bail." Uh, so yeah, go check it out, and uh, we'll be back. I'm going to hit Scott's comment right now, and the news after that. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You want to get in here, Tim Granke? Headed over to the Lacrosse Public Library, a little a little presentation. I don't know if it's little. It's kind of actually. I bet it's going to be pretty interesting if you guys want to go over there. It's, it starts at six p.m. Tim Grinky, Lacrosse County District Attorney, Justice Support Service Manager Mandy Bisak, and Judge Elliot Levine all going to be over there. Uh, the presentation is called "The Unseen Costs of Cash Bail." And uh, just the description on on their Facebook page, event page, it says, join us for a conversation with those three on cash, bail, and bond, injustices in the system, and how it affects Wisconsin. And I thought it was pretty interesting, some of the things Grinky brought up in in terms of of why we do this or why maybe we shouldn't be doing this. They've eliminated it in California and New York, uh, the bail bond system. Um, little experiment, maybe in a year or so, other states will look at that and see if it's been effective. Uh, we're going to go. Mike's been waiting patiently on hold. Mike, you're on the air with on the Crosstalk PM. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the unseen costs of not having cash bail. I mean, uh, he was talking about people that were nonviolent criminals. Uh, for instance, let's say shoplifters. They cost the the businesses in this community hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Uh, and, of course, those costs are passed on to the community because they have to pay higher prices for their products and stuff like that. Another category that I've heard about uh, when people are talking about this in New York is the fact that they're turning drug dealers back out on the street just a few af- hours after they're being apprehended 
Because, I mean, how can you figure out the how wealthy are, or how much money a drug dealer is bringing in? They're not reporting it. And so if they're being turned out, uh, they may not be violent criminals, but certainly their activities are having a, a very negative impact on the community. Well, Mike, so this is Mike. This is happening right here today and yesterday. Uh, Sandy Zhang uh, was arrested. She's allegedly a drug dealer in La Crosse. She was selling drugs to another dealer who was working out of Prairie du Chien, according to the police report. And she was in court today. She is... Uh, I think her bond or her bail is $50,000 to get out. Uh, She was arrested a couple of years ago. Uh, She was sentenced to three years in prison and got out after a year and a half. And and now she's, you know, arrested again for doing the same thing. So, yeah, I would say that that people like that that have been caught, you you put them back out on the street. But you're saying you're putting them back out on the street without having to post a bond or a bail or you have no idea how much money they have. But they're still innocent until proven guilty is, is, I think, what we always come back to. Yeah, but what message is that given to the young kid sitting there on the street that's been buying pop from him? Hey, man, they, they took him away three hours later or a day later. He's back and making tons of money again. I mean, this is a great way to make a living. Yeah, I guess I don't know if drug dealing is a great way to make a living, but... Uh... <laughs> But it's a it's a great way to uh, make a living in between court dates. I mean, they're still going to have to show up for court. So, and then when they don't, right. that that goes on the record. Hey, you know, like uh, Grinky said, they the, he he talked about you know they they look at this, they look you know ad nauseum at at their their history, right, and to figure it out whether or not they they are going to come back. So, um, I hear what yeah, you're saying. But uh, he also mentioned that it was costing them a lot of money to keep people in jail and stuff like this and 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 so in a way by eliminating that bond they're basically passing the cost of keeping people in jail on to these community because now we're going to have to deal with those people being out of jail doing the things that they shouldn't be doing sure as long as they continue to do the things that they were just arrested for doing which i'm guessing probably doesn't happen all that often you know you could thanks for the call too mike you could say that a drug dealer gets arrested for dealing drugs and then goes gets you know like well, let's say they just there's no bond they just they have to appear in court and then they're out that night uh and and they're back at it they're they're dealing drugs again the the same day or maybe the next day um i don't think that you know maybe maybe that's the outlier but if somebody gets arrested for drinking and driving and then they they're out on bond or bail and I'm not, you know, like whether that's a felony or not, uh, but are they going to go right back to drinking and driving before their next court date for, for that problem? I don't know. I, it's maybe some people, uh, we can go back to the phones. Uh, Linda is calling, right? Linda. Hello. Maybe not Linda. Hello. Oh, this isn't definitely not Linda. Hey, who's this? Uh, Dale. Hey, Dale, go ahead. You're on the air. Lacrosse Talk PM. Uh, just a couple of things about the history of this country. There's a absolute dynamite uh, documentary on public television called Slavery by Another Name. Uh, you cannot believe the things that the first people brought over to this country had to endure. There's another book about uh, 
white framing, uh, racial framing. Uh, there's another book about waking up white. They bring in the depth of what these people have had to go through since the time they were brought over to this country. Uh, it's not been a sleigh ride. Uh, there have been laws directed to keep them in bondage and only until um, 2016 did the college, Davidson College, when they sold slaves to Louisiana, that they finally admitted that they were in the slave business because at the time they were supporting their college with growing tobacco, and the only people that worked in the tobacco fields were slaves. And they finally, in 2016, the president of Davidson finally admitted yes and apologized for exactly what they've done. So you talk about how did they get to where they're at now? They have been denied educational opportunities. They have been denied financial opportunities for loans, for buying homes. Uh, just check into the uh, how the GI Bill after World War II affected the minority people. Something like 2 to 5% of the minority people were able to use any of the uh, possibilities that the GI Bill offered. So you're, you're talking, yep, right now, today, there was an old uh, television program called uh, Crime Whatever, and they always had the people in disguise. And if you listen to them and why they were be able to be uh, interviewed, they were totally disguised, and they said they didn't have a fancy home, they didn't have a fancy car, they didn't dress showy, they had few people working for them, they were. They got to that point because there were no other educational financial opportunities for them at the time. Since the days that Lincoln freed the slaves, it never has let up. There have always been slavery in some form or another, and as the book or as the documentary will tell you, it's slavery by another name, and many of it was. They were held in bondage because they had debt or they were not working, and Whitey could throw them in jail for little or no reason at all. And quite often they were sold to the government, the state governments, for projects that they had because they could work for nothing. Sure. So uh, their, their people need to start going back into... And I would start with this documentary because it is it, it, there's no way that you would want to, any human that you knew, even your worst enemy, would have to go through some of the things that these young people had to go through. And then step up to the now age, uh, Waking Up White, and uh, uh, the other text is called um, White. Fragility, in other words, uh, how they are so fragile about having to admit their uh, uh, involvement in 
the, the, the growth of the minority uh, punishment. So sure. uh, they need to open up and find out that yeah. uh, okay. it's, it's privileged yep. white men, and that's where we're at today. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. And, Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, Tim Grakey was in here earlier. You know, we just alluded to uh, the the racial disparities in the state of Wisconsin a little bit. I think we could spend a whole show uh, talking about that and, uh, y- you know, bringing to light what what a problem it is to, to see those people locked up disproportionately compared to the rest of the population. Uh, Eric from Sparta has been waiting patiently. Eric from Sparta, you're on the Crosstalk PM. Go ahead. Yeah, what is... Uh... First of all, I was born 69 years ago, a white man, and what the hell do I have to do with any of this stuff? And this, this stuff this guy coming on with, I don't hurt anybody, I will not hurt anybody. That's a bunch of BS, and you know it. It's, all this is a crying, crying liberals, that's all it is. And why the hell did you uh, have to stick in this um, Roger Stone thing with uh, Ricky before the end of your show? You're all liberal hacks, period. I'm a white man, I'm a proud white man, and I never hurt anybody, black, white, yellow, or anything. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Eric. Brought it up because it's in the news, and it's fairly interesting, and we had an attorney, a district attorney in here who's an expert in the field, and it's always, I think it's interesting to get a local voice to uh, some national topics and uh, just to see what their opinion is, because we all have our opinions. I have my opinion on what's happening with the Roger Stone case, becoming a, a mini expert in the last two days of, oh, Roger Stone, what did he do? Nobody knows. Okay, well, oh, okay, he did that. Oh, all these people are resigning or quitting from the case now. And then we all become our experts and we form opinions like mine. And Eric's opinion, very formed on maybe a different take. And then uh, District Attorney Tim Grinke has an opinion on that from an expert's point of view. More interesting than mine or Eric, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. All right, we're going to hit uh, another quick break. We'll be back after this. I was a- All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. We got a couple of texts from a couple of you. Free Speech Fred. Texted in, the great society has destroyed the black family and made a good dent into the white population. Making a good, honest living and raising a family is essential for a man's health, mental health. In short, the welfare state is in large part responsible for the present mess. Uh, Dan texted in. um, Let's see here. Dan texted in a couple of times. Uh, He said, uh, we also have to pay. We were talking about. Uh, with this district attorney, Tim Grinke earlier today about the cash bail bond system and how it's a little unfair for a certain segment of the population, whether you want to call that a minority or just poor people in general. Um, but Dan, one of his texts says, uh, we also have to pay for programs that district attorney Grinke says we should be regard. We should be regarding alcohol treatment and drug treatment no one is helping the cancer patient patient pay for chemotherapy or the diabetic for the insulin. So why should we pay for the alcohol or drug treatment of a criminal? Right. We should be helping the cancer patient pay for chemotherapy and the diabetic pay for insulin. Excellent point, Dan. 
along with helping those who are addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, along with helping those people get out of that addiction and back into living a normal life without, you know, the the idea that they're addicted to a drug or alcohol. We should also be helping that cancer patient get over the pain of having cancer and going through chemotherapy. We should definitely be doing that. We should also be helping the diabetic who has to pay for insulin. We have to make insulin cheaper, right? Minnesota's trying to do that. Wisconsin's trying to do that. Other other states are doing a better job of that right now. Um, also, you know, the, the, how did someone get to become diabetic? We probably could be doing better work there and helping get them out of that situation. Uh, some people are born like that. Other people, you know, their, their lifestyle works into that, that situation. I would say maybe even getting cancer has to do something like that. So yeah, definitely. We should be helping all these people that are going through problems as a society. They're part of our society. We want them to live a normal life in society like any most of us do. And uh, it's a great, great thought, Dan. Helping everyone. Excellent. Um, all right. So Tim Greke was in here. It was great for him to stop by. Uh, he bailed on me halfway through the show, though, like a jerk. And I'm guessing he's not listening now because he's at the Lacrosse Public Library doing a, a talk, a presentation. The, 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 the title is called The Unseen Costs of Cash Bail. Uh, Justice Support Service Manager Mandy Bisak is there, along with Judge Elliot Levine. So those three people will be talking about all of this and better informing everybody about, you know, why it's why why it is unfair. Why is the system unfair? And and a lot of times on social media, you'll see people complaining about signature bonds, right? And sometimes it's a joke. Some other times. Uh, you know, sometimes people are joking about that. Other times, you know, maybe they actually have a point. Lacrosse police, every once in a while, we'll see somebody out, you know, gets out through the system and, and they're upset about it because they worked hard to catch this person doing the misdeeds that they did, you know, whether, whether it's selling drugs or something else. And then somehow that person gets out on bond or bail or signature bond and they're like, what are you doing? Why did you let this person out? The next day, they're back in jail. They catch them again, right? And then, yeah, and then you could say, okay, the system failed there. Why did it fail? Is there a miscommunication amongst uh, between police and judges and attorneys? You know, uh, Grinky even alluded to the fact that judges can't speak directly to police about individual cases. They do have a monthly meeting. Um, so they can talk about that, but they can't talk about individual cases that are pending because those are pending cases. Person's innocent till proven guilty. Um, I'm sure they could talk. Uh, the attorneys can talk to police about, you know, like the in, through the court system, it's going to come out the information. So, all right, that's going to do it. Tomorrow is Thursday, which you know what that means. Viterbo's Keith Knudsen is going to come in here. We could talk about the Democratic primaries. Uh, maybe maybe Keith's got an opinion on this Roger Stone situation. Uh, he's a political scientist, so I don't, you know, this is more prosecu- prosecution, so I don't know. But we'll ask him. We'll be back uh, tomorrow to talk about all that on Wisdom.